one major difference between an installment sale trust and a 1031 is a 1031 requires you to only invest in like kind rental properties. Whereas with an installment sale trust, you can invest in almost any business type. You can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You can invest in more real estate. You can invest in syndications. You can invest in different kinds of syndications. So it gives you a lot more flexibility and opportunity of what you invest in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Jeanette Robinson, Director of Investor Relations, coming to you from the beautiful blue skies of Boston, Massachusetts. And today we have a really special guest who's with us is Todd Van Meter. And Todd has a very extensive background, actually, in real estate investing. He's been in the business for over 30 years. He's the CEO of Van Meter Construction and Van Meter Properties. He also has served as president of the Home Builders Association of Hall County, as well as being on their board of directors. He's been a longtime member of the Georgia Real Estate Investor Association, and he earned a BA in real estate from the University of Georgia. So welcome to the show, Todd. Very happy to have you. Thank you, Jeanette. Great to be here. I have to say that I have a childhood memory of being in Georgia and trying for the first time in my life peanut butter pie, and it was divine. <laughs> One of the delicacies of the South. <laughs> definitely. And definitely. There's lots Next of them. I'm originally from up north, and I've adapted to accepting all of their delicacies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, peanut butter fudge, peanut butter pie. Yeah, this is definitely oh, it's making me hungry now. I, I'm going to have to get from the next time I go down there. Lots of peanuts grown in the state. <laughs> they put them to good use, definitely. Yes, they do. <laughs> well, Todd, in order to get started, you know, before we kind of jump into the questions, do you want to just give a little bit more insight into your background and, you know, kind of how you got involved with real estate investing? Sure. I actually consider myself very lucky because I discovered real estate at a very young age. My family moved around a lot when I was a kid. I lived in many different states. Most of those moves involved living in new home subdivisions. So I was a kid after school. I was always off the bus. And during the summers, I was out there climbing through houses under construction and kind of fell in love with construction and job sites and stuff like that. So when I went to college, I chose the major of real estate and I minored in finance and actually got my education in real estate as well. Nice, nice. So been in it ever I mean, since. Wow. So we're talking a lifetime, you know, in Three real estate. years now, full time in real estate. Wow, that's amazing. Awesome. Okay, well, good. So let's jump in and talk about basically the assets, right? 
So if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, what type of assets do you actively invest in and what types do you passively invest in? Okay. I started out in single family homes as a lot of investors do. I started out building houses and then I started keeping some of those houses because I saw the people I built them for would sell them two or three years later for a lot more than what I had charged them to build the house. So I started keeping houses and building a rental portfolio. And then we broadened out a little bit. We had a few mobile homes along the way and a little bit of duplexes and did some stuff like that. And then as I started converting recently into syndications to invest more passively, and one of those reasons was for diversification, we're now invested in a number of apartment communities, mobile home parks, storage centers, some student housing, some light industrial, and even some hotel to apartment conversions. Nice. So a really, really strong and diverse portfolio. Have any of those shaken out to be more of a winner over the others? Not yet. We've only really been investing in active for about a year and a half now. And so none of them have gone full cycle yet. A couple of them mm-hmm. refinanced and stuff like that. But you know the returns on anything in real estate in the last couple of years has been phenomenal, as I'm sure you're aware. So you know, hoping for good returns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for you, for sure. And kudos on really having such a strong diversification. That's great. Now, you know, you kind of touched on it or hinted towards it. So I think it'll be really interesting for our listeners to understand that you're currently going through somewhat of a transition where you are trying to actually move away from doing active investing and actually moving into passive investing instead, which I know is definitely a goal that a lot of people have, especially if they get in, you know, like you mentioned, the single family homes first, and then they want to transition over to passively investing. But it can be, you know, it can be a little bit tough and it's got some challenges along the way that, you know, I'm sure that you can speak to. So what would you say, you know, kind of is, is your story behind all of this? What have your experiences been in trying to make this transition? Well, my wife and I call it our real estate life. Since we literally have been in real estate as long as we've been married, we've been married 36 years now. And I was in real estate when we met and have always been in real estate. And she's joined me in now our third real estate business together. And so we were active property managers for about 30 years. And we decided a couple of years ago that 30 years of being full-time property managers was enough for one lifetime. And so we decided that, you know, it's a great business as most real estate is. It's a great business to build wealth. It can build you a lot of wealth and it's very fulfilling that way, but it does require a lot of day-to-day things. And, you know, the little surprises that come up, like you're leaving on vacation on Friday and on Thursday night, a tenant calls you and tells you their air conditioning's out. And, you know, you're leaving at 6 a.m. to go to the airport or something like that. So it's, you know, it's timing of things and stuff like that. So it's a great business. It's just, you know, little crises come up sometimes at not opportune times. So after 30 years of that, we decided we wanted to to move to a different stage of our life and a different chapter of our life. And so we decided to sell most of our homes last year. We sold most of our portfolio last year so we could go from more active to more passive investing. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I'm sure that was greatly appreciated because of the challenges that have been, you know, with the the supply of single family homes. So I imagine you sold at a very opportune time to be in the market and, and getting those on the market. Interesting. Okay, so now if you want to kind of move to what we'll reference as the strategy portion, now you did this in a really interesting way. You did this with what you called an installment trust, correct? Yeah, it's called an installment sale trust. It allows you to defer all of the taxes from the sale, 
all of your capital gains taxes and all your straight line depreciation recapture can be deferred for 10, 20, possibly even 30 years if you meet all the obligations per the IRS code. Interesting. And how is this different from a DST? Because this is similar to DSTs, correct? A DST, from what I know of the DST, I haven't reviewed their documents, but they use the same tax code, but they are a trademark name and they are, that name is owned by, I believe, a law firm somewhere. And so you have to be licensed in order to use that name. So I've heard them say that they base it on the same tax code that we base ours off of. And you just have to make sure you follow all the rules that are involved with it. Interesting. Okay. And so how did you go about setting this up and and how does that all work? As long as you sell the properties and you create a trust, instead of selling it just directly from you to the buyer, you set up a trust, which is an irrevocable trust. And then you transfer the properties to the trust. So the trust becomes the owner. And then the trust actually sells them to the end buyer and the trust receives the money. That's one of the key components Same thing as with the 1031 is you, the seller, cannot touch the money. 1031 exchanges have that feature as well. You need a third-party intermediary with a 1031 for them to take the money and then control the money until it gets reinvested in the next property. One major difference between an installment sale trust and a 1031 is a 1031 requires you to only invest in like-kind rental properties, whereas with an installment sale trust, You can invest in almost any business type. You can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You can invest in more real estate. You can invest in syndications. You can invest in different kinds of syndications. So it gives you a lot more flexibility and opportunity of what you invest in. Very interesting. And is there any type of time constraint as to how long you have to reinvest those funds? You know, with the 1031, there's a limited amount of time to reinvest those funds. Is it that way with the trust? No, there's with the trust, there is no time restraint. You can invest the day after closing, the trust closes on the property. If you want to invest in something else that fast, you could wait six months, you could wait a year if you wanted to. There is no time constraint with an installment sale trust. That was one of the big benefits to us is when we were selling in a tight market with prices where they were, it was very hard to find replacement properties. Not to mention we didn't really want more replacement properties that we had to actively manage. We had been doing that for 30 years. So we wanted to get into more passive investments. And that's much harder to do with a 1031 because of the time restrictions. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Wow, very interesting. Now, how are you able to defer the taxes for so long? Is it just part of the tax code? Is there any stipulation around all of this? It's the tax code. It's called IRC 453. It's Internal Revenue Code 453, which is the installment sale clause of the tax code. That code has been around since the 1920s. So it's been around almost 100 years. And it's just you doing an installment sale. You're doing an installment sale with the trust. We personally received no money when we sold the properties. The trust received the money. What we did receive was we received a promissory note from our trust and we received payments that are interest payments back for the money that we put into the trust or for the properties, the value of the properties we put into the trust. So it allows you to defer it that way because we don't actually have the money yet. The trust has the money and the trust is investing the money and the trust makes us payments either quarterly or yearly. You can set it up however you want as far as that goes. Wow. Fascinating. This is really interesting. Great. Okay. And then what about how it's gone for you as far as actually trying to move yourself from active to passive investor? Have you followed kind of a series of steps to get yourself there? What advice, you know, would you give to other people that are trying to do the same thing? Well, it has been a little bit of a psychological shift for after 30 years of 
collecting rent, signing leases, doing move in, move out inspections, all that type of thing. You know, we don't do that anymore. And it's a little bit of a, you know, shock when you wake up in the morning. I used to, the first thing I did was check my emails every morning and my texts every morning to see if there was an emergency that occurred overnight that I needed to get on right away. And I don't have to do that anymore. So I've, sometimes I still find myself running and grabbing my phone. I was like, wait, I don't have emergencies anymore because I don't <laughs> any, you know, actively own properties like that anymore that I have to manage. So we still own a few properties, but they're, they don't have active tenants in them and stuff like that anymore. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a psychological shift. But it's been very rewarding in that now I'm getting to talk to various syndicators and operators of funds, which is a lot more fun for me to talk numbers because I have a numbers background with my BBA in real estate and finance. I'm getting more back to the numbers that I always enjoyed and reading financial statements and things like that. And I get more fulfillment out of that than I used to do just managing the properties. Interesting. Okay. Well, good, good. Is there any key piece of advice outside of, you know, being prepared for the psychological shifts that you'd give to any of the investors wanting to do this? Well, I've been encouraging people I've been talking to, I've been sharing it with them, some other investors. What I have found is there's a lot of investors and a lot of business owners. And that's another thing. Business owners can sell their business using installment sale trust too, which is you can't do with mm-hmm. a 1031. So that's another big difference between a 1031 and installment sale trust a property management business, a loan business, a chiropractic business, anything can be sold and use an installment sale trust and defer the taxes on it. So what I've been, as I've told people, enlightening to this, to how this can work, what I'm finding is I did find a study that showed that 80% of business owners, the reason who were considering selling, 80% of them, the reason they did not sell was because they didn't want to have to pay the taxes that would be due on all their gains because it, if you've owned it for 20, 30, 40, the longer you've owned it, the more gains you have and the higher the tax bill is. And for some of them, they can't simply can't stomach paying that much in taxes all at one time. It's just a shocking number to them. So when they find out that there is a way to sell and defer the gains, a lot of them are just absolutely relieved so that they can do that. So. Wow. Fantastic. That is great advice. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. This is new to me. I'm actually excited. As soon as we finish up this interview, I'm going to be Googling away. (laughs) So I definitely There's a lot out there to look, to read about it, Both (laughs) both good and bad. You know, there's people on both sides. So, you know, it's like anything, if people don't do it properly, it doesn't work. You just make sure it needs to be done properly, like anything you do in life. So you need proper guidance. Well, good, good. Definitely will take that into consideration. And I hope you listeners do too. You've always got to weigh the pros and the cons of every approach, right? That's correct. Yeah, definitely. All right, great. Well, Todd, this has been very interesting. Thank you so much for taking some time to share this. Now we have arrived to the lightning round part of the interview. And I didn't tell Todd what the questions are because then it would steal all the thunder. Aha. Surprise. (laughs) That's right. All right. So Todd, what is your favorite hobby? Actually, my favorite hobby is real estate. I literally go on vacation and my family teases me because I sit on the beach and I read tax code. I read the latest (laughs) business investing books. I'm just, it just amazes me because it appeals to so many different people and there's so many different tools and so many different ways you can use real estate in your life. So that's my favorite read. Nice. Nice. I believe it. Actually, I do. I can say that I have also drank the Kool-Aid, so I can appreciate exactly what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
So now that you shared that, this is going to make the next question a little harder for you because my next question is, what is one thing that most people don't actually know about you that you're comfortable sharing? Oh, probably the most most thing that shocks most people is my wife and I, who have now been married for 36 years, we actually both got married while we were still college students. We still had two years left to college when we got married and have been married ever since and started three businesses and have had two kids and a couple of puppies along the way and <laughs> still going at it and loving every every day. Uh, now, that's wonderful. Now, this is not part of the, the questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your your key advice for those long lasting relationships? I would say the best thing is open communication and understanding that women and men are different and look at things differently. And you need to understand that, you know, just because she's saying this doesn't mean she's mad at you. She may be seeing it this way and you're seeing it this way. So, you know, just understanding that difference between men and women can be huge. It was huge for me, you know, a number of years ago when I realized that. (laughs) Well, good, good advice and true. Very, very true. All right. So what book is it are you currently reading or is there a book that you would recommend, you know, over all other books that you think is just a great read? The book I'm currently reading, which has just absolutely amazed me and I can't put it down, is Life Force by Tony Robbins. And it's got tons of things. Tony has access to some of the top people around the world in every capacity. He's either coached them in the past or he's coached somebody who they're connected to through his coaching programs. And this book is all about all of the technology and all the developments that are happening now and coming down the future soon with life developments and lasting life and things you can do to live longer and live healthier. Nice. Nice. I'll definitely check that out. Definitely. Okay, good. And what's your advice for people that want to live an extraordinary life? I believe you should follow your dreams and don't let anything hold you back and start now. Don't wait for perfect. I did that for a couple of years. I should have started my business sooner than I did, but I was, you know, little things holding you back. Like, well, I don't know if I'm quite ready. I see people a lot research things for years and years and years instead of just starting. And later on, a lot of times they never get around to starting. And that's one of, you know, one of the biggest crimes in my eyes is somebody that never followed their dreams. And then they get to the point where they either too old or too sick and they just can't anymore. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Definitely. All right. Now, last but not least, and you may not want to answer this question and you don't have to, especially since you were focusing on switching to a passive role. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Oh, I don't mind. I can literally talk about real estate, tax, investments, all that stuff, almost 24-7. And you can ask <laughs> my wife, she'll verify it. I think she used that I talk about it in my dreams sometimes. I think she's told people I talk about real estate all the time. She sometimes just has to tell me, shut up. I'm tired about hearing about real estate. Let's talk about something else. So you can email me or you can go to my website. My website is bluehatwealth.com. My wife named that website because I always wear a hat and it's almost always a blue hat. So she came up with that website name. My email address is Todd, T-O-D-D, at bluehatwealth.com. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, someone please help his poor wife out and get in touch with Todd. (laughs) Give her a break. (laughs) Well, you you have a podcast. Great. I've got some quiet time. (laughs) (laughs) You tell her I said you're welcome. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Will do. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. This was very fun. I definitely enjoyed it. And to all of you listeners, thank you for tuning in with us today. We definitely appreciate it. 
please don't forget to like and review the podcast. It helps us understand what it is that you want to hear, what you're enjoying, you know, and what we can continue to bring you. So thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. And last but not least, in the words of Ellie Perlman, be bold, keep moving forward, and go build an extraordinary life. Amen. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.